Hey there this morning, church. Don't you love that new song? I love it. Yeah? Oh, that's enthusiastic. I am enthusiastic because that literally happened for me this week. Jesus, Jesus, you silence every fear. And uh, I just want to let you know Trinity's doing really, really well. Some of you may know, some of you may not know. But on Thursday, I got a phone call to say that she'd been on an accident in the motorway, hit by a truck, and uh, spun out, hit the median barrier, bounced back, then got hit by the truck on the driver's door, and then spun off the motorway and ended up in a ditch. And she came out of it with bruises and some uh, bone fragments in her AC joint. And uh, that's about it. The side of driver's side of the car is completely missing. They had to cut her out and cut all the doors off. And the police officer said to me, you want to thank your lucky stars, mate? And I said, well, I don't have lucky stars. I have Jesus. Um, but he said 85% of truck versus car, car situations, especially with her little car, ends up in fatalities. And both her and her passenger walked away with basically bruising. And so thank you so much for your prayers. Uh, she would have been here this morning, but she's just a little bit uncomfortable. And these chairs aren't that flash for comfort. And uh, so she's just recovering at home. Seth is looking after her. His intentions to look after her probably won't match his actions, but it's the thought that counts. And uh, I left him to look after her yesterday while we did the working bee up here. And uh, he played PlayStation and came and checked on her about every hour. So, you know, uh, it's probably what's happening this morning. For those that did come out for the Working Bee, thank you so much. If you're going to make it, that's cool. But thank you so much for those that did come out. It's made a huge difference. And, and we're just excited because it gets us ready for a conference, which is coming up uh, shortly, not next week, but the week after. And uh, thank you so much. And thank you for all your prayers for Trinity. And thank you, musicians. You can grab yourselves a seat. And it's so good to be in church this morning. Just a couple of things before I get into my message this morning, and that is if you are planning to come on the Vanuatu trip, you basically have um, two weeks, three weeks to get your $1,000 in deposit. Um, that'll secure your flight and uh, also your accommodation. And then the other 500 that can just uh, come in at a, before we go. So it's no stress on that. But um, if you're planning to come, we really need you to do that so we can get your flights before the prices go through the roof. And uh, it's going to be such a great time. We go from the 5th to the 12th of September. Um, so it's just a week. And uh, the adults that are coming on the trip, we're going to the island of Amal for about two or three days. The youth are staying in Port Villa and they're doing high schools and all sorts of stuff. And, um, and then we do have a, a free day in there. And so we're going to go and hand feed turtles and have some fun. So come, come for that, if nothing else. So, uh, we're really cool. And one other thing that I wanted to talk to you this morning before I get into it, and I've mentioned the past couple of weeks, I feel like God's trying to say something to us as a church, if you didn't, and as individuals. If you haven't quite picked up on this yet, let me help you. Uh, three weeks ago, I did a message called Be Brave, where God was basically speaking to us about facing our fears and our anxieties and dealing with them and understanding that in Christ, we can be brave and we can face things Last week uh, was a great message, if I do say so myself, called Run to the Roar, uh, where God has not called us to shrink back, but has called us to run. And, 
It says, the Bible says this, that the devil prowls around like a roaring lion. He's not a roaring lion. He looks like one, sounds like one. And the roar of a lion is purely to bring intimidation and cause dominance and cause you to shut down. But how many people know that God has called us to run to the roar because the only roar that matters is the roar of the lion of Judah, who is actually a lion. And when we roar our roar of praise and thanksgiving in our circumstance, it causes the enemy to flee because the Bible says resist the devil, submit to God and he will flee from you and, and so our job is not to run away from but to run to and I mentioned in those two weeks a course that's coming up starting on the 11th of June called Freedom Over Moods and I really want to encourage you if you haven't signed up for that, it's not our material, it's been written by a professional counsellor, um, Sam Anderson who happens to be in our church, we're very blessed to have her and it runs over five weeks, and it looks at things like why we struggle with change, uh, dealing with grief, anger, anxiety, fear, all those things that cause us to shrink back instead of pushing through. And uh, I've read the material, and it's awesome. And um, as, as I was reading it a few weeks ago, or maybe a couple of months ago, as I'm reading it, I'm going, oops, that's me, oops, that's me, oops, that's me. And it was just fantastic. And so I really want to encourage you, it's $50 for five weeks. Um, you need to pay before the night um, so that we can get all the material printed off for you that you need. But I want to encourage you to do that. Right, get into it this morning. My message this morning is called The Lion's Den. And uh, how many people here have ever been in a lion's den? How many people here would like to go into a lion's den? How many people here, let me put it this way, how many people here have done a shark cave, you know, cage dive? Has anybody done that? You've done that, Darren. You're a man. Um, he's gone into a cage in the middle of sharks, and sharks have tried to bite him. But the cool thing is, is that there's a cage that protects you. Yes? Hello? Talk to me this morning. My wife isn't here. I'm feeling alone. I need your help. And a cage protects, but when we go into this story, which I'm about to talk to you about, which we've been talking about for a wee while now, there's no cage to protect them from the lion. It says this in 2 Samuel 23, verse 20. You're going to wonder, how often can Craig preach on this one verse? You'll find out. There's at least two more to come. It says this, there was also Benaniah. Everyone say Benaniah. On a snowy day, he chased a lion down into a pit and killed it. On a snowy day, he chased a lion down into a pit, into its den, how many of you know in a lion's den, who has the advantage? Usually the lion, all right? If you're going to chase a lion down into a pit on a snowy day, that requires 100% commitment. We're talking about a 300 kg lion, probably, or 500 pounds or whatever it is. It's, that's commitment, yes? It's like, okay, I am doing this. It's like I'm going in and I'm going to take on this lion. It requires and demands 100% consecration, dedication to the task that is hand. It's, it's not a win or lose situation, it's a life and death situation. It's not a win or lose, but a life and death. There's no escape plan. Like once you're in there with the lion, it's either you kill him or it's all over for you. There's no back door, there's no backup plan. It's just, it's either you're going to win and you're going to live or you're going to die. Those, those are the options that he was facing. And we celebrate Ben and I because we understand the outcome 
of the story, yes? We celebrate him coming out of the pit alive, but that's actually not the amazing part of the story. You know, uh, a long time ago, there's a missionary by the name of J.W. Tucker, and J.W. Tucker felt that God had called him and his family to go to the nation of Congo, and as he was about to go to the nation of Congo, civil war broke out in Congo, and all his friends and his family, including his missionary friend by the name of Morris Plotz, said to him, mate, you don't want to do this. If you go in there, you won't come out. Now, unfortunately, as you'll hear later on in the story, his Morris was prophetic in that, and that J.W. Tucker didn't come out, but he says to him, don't go in there. If you go in there, you won't come out alive. If you go in there, you are, you're going to die when you're there. And John Tucker responded to him, and he said this to him, and I love this, and I want you to get this in your spirit this morning. He said this, he said, God didn't tell me I had to come out. He just told me I had to go in. God didn't tell me I had to come out. He just told me I had to go in. And just like Ben and I going into the lion's den, going into the pit with a lion, it's not the coming out that's the courageous thing. It's the going in that's courageous. Coming out is not courageous. Going in is courageous. And I believe in this moment in our season here at CFC that God is calling us to go into some of those pits where there's some lions roaring at us, into those pits of anxiety, fears, concerns, insecurities that we generally don't want to chase down into the pit because we're concerned that we may not come out alive. Are you understand what I'm saying? I've done plenty of counseling appointments with people where we've got to the core of what the problem is, but they're too scared to go into that because they're worried that they won't come out alive. I want to tell you this morning, courage is not coming out, courage is going in. It takes courage to go in and face your fears. It takes courage to go in and deal with our insecurities. It takes courage to go in and deal with that stuff because we don't know if we're going to come out. You see, the world idolizes success and demonizes failure. The world says it's actually the coming out that's success. If you come out of this, you're successful. If you don't come out of it, they say that you're a failure. But when it comes to the kingdom, the kingdom of God, the outcome isn't the issue. When it comes to the kingdom of God, the outcome isn't the issue. It's not, success is not winning or losing. Success in the kingdom is obeying, regardless of outcome. It's not about how it turns out. It's about whether you're going to go in. It's whether you're going to hear his voice that says, I want you to go into that pit on a snowy day and take on the lion. It's about obeying. It's not about winning or losing. It's about obeying. It's about what has he called you to do? What has he told you to do? It's honoring God, whether you are uh, in the red or in the black when it comes to your finances. It's about doing what he's told you. It's about obeying. To obey is better than sacrifice. There's plenty of Christians that will sacrifice in a moment but fail to obey Monday through to Sunday. Week after week, month after month, year after year. It's the obeying that gets God's attention, not the sacrifice. Are you with me this morning? It's about praising God no matter what. It's about 
giving God the glory, whether you're in the win column or the lose column. In God's book, the Bible, its success is spelled stewardship. And what stewardship really means is using what it is that God has given me to the best of my ability at any given time, regardless of outcome. Because too many people are like, oh, I, I kind of have this gift of music or whatever, but I'm only going to get up there and sing if I sound good, or I'm gonna get, I feel intimidated by the worship band, so I'm not really going to join it because I don't know if, it's not about how brilliant you are successfully in your audition. It's not about whether you, when you audition with Anna and Rimmer in the front row saying, we're not worthy, we're not worthy as you sing. That was a joke. It's about, are you using what God has given you? Are you doing with what he has given you what you're doing? Because, see, here's the thing about gifts. When gifts are given, they're now the responsibility of the person who's received them. When I give, you a, when I give my kid a gift at Christmas time, it's not mine anymore, it's theirs. And if my kid don't treat that gift right, what happens generally as a parent? We get annoyed with them, yes? Here's the thing, God doesn't respond like that. God doesn't get angry if you don't use your gift. He just, because it's yours. It's yours to do with what you want to do with it. And if you're not prepared to chase a lion down into into a pit on a snowy day to conquer some of your fears that's causing you not to steward your gift, then God ain't going to be mean to you. God ain't going to be harsh to you. It's not like you're going to miss out on heaven or anything like that. It just means you never fully live. It just means you never fully do what it is that God has called you to do. See, if you succeed at the wrong thing, you've failed. But if you fail at the right thing, you've succeeded. Too many people succeed at the wrong thing. Succeed in their career, succeed in this, succeed in that, but fail when it comes to their relationship with Jesus Christ. You see, when you get to heaven, it's not going to be, hey, what an awesome career you had. That's amazing. You made that much money? Awesome. I'm so glad that you're maybe making you know, over $100,000 a year. Let's tell that to my gates of pearl and my roads of gold. God's not impressed by your career. What he is impressed is that he says, well done in your career, because while you were in your career, you brought the kingdom of heaven with you, and you led people to Christ, and you prayed for your sick co-worker who got healed, and you were Christ in the middle of your workplace. That's what gets God's attention. Same with me. When I get to heaven, it's not about, hey, God, look at this. Got a church of a thousand people behind me. If I don't have my family with me, it's all pointless. What are you doing with what he has given you to do? Are you succeeding at the wrong things and thinking it's success? I want to tell you, if you fail at the right thing, giving something a go that he has called you to do, God considers that success because success is obeying. Are you with me this morning? You see, just as courage is not the absence of fear, success is not the absence of failure. In fact, failure is a necessary step in every dream journey. If you're going to step out and do something for God and see your dreams come to pass, you will have failures. But failures are what make you. Stumbling blocks turn into stepping stones. Tragedies always turn into triumphs. Come on. 
You see, God doesn't always call us to win. Sometimes he just calls us to try. Because either way, it's obedience that glorifies God. The fact that you tried brings him glory. Not that you succeeded. It's about obeying. Because success is not winning or losing. Success is how you handle adversity. Success is how you handle disappointment. Success is how you handle your mistakes or how you handle an offense. It's whether those things make you bitter or they make you better is what success is. And the answer is up to you. Why? Why is the answer up to us? Because it's our response ability. Response hyphen ability. The whether you're successful in adversity is your ability to respond right. Come on. It's about your ability to respond right. Because it's not what happens to you, but what happens in you that matters. Or what happens through you that matters. And so success in the kingdom is not whether the outcome is amazing, but whether your responsibility is kingdom. Whether you respond to the offense with forgiveness whether you respond to the adversity with depression or with faith, whether you respond to the situation believing that God can get you through or quitting and giving up, that's the success. The goal isn't winning. The goal has always been about God getting the glory. And God can have the glory in tragedy just as much He can have it in success. In fact, God gets more glory. I believe in my lifetime, I've seen God get more glory through adversity and through disappointments and through things like deaths that should never have happened than I've ever seen in any success. In Joshua 3.5, it says, this is what God said to them before they started going around Jericho. He said, consecrate yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do amazing things among you. Consecrate yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do amazing things among you. The word consecration means to devote yourself, to set yourself apart for a particular purpose. We understand that when it comes to consecration in the kingdom of God, or when it comes to Christianity, it's about setting ourselves apart for God and for Him only. It says, consecrate yourselves, you know, for tomorrow the Lord will do amazing things. I don't know about you, but I want to do amazing things for God. Is there anybody here in this place that wants to do something amazing for God? Okay, five or six of us, we're going to do something awesome. Seriously, is there anybody here that wants to do something amazing for God? Right. We all want to do something amazing for God, but guess what? Amazing isn't your job. Amazing is not your job. Our job, according to Joshua, is to consecrate ourselves, set ourselves apart for His purpose, And he does the great things. See, too many of us, we're trying to accomplish greatness when all God is asking us for us to do is to accomplish consecration. He's not asking us to come out. He's just asking us to go in. He's not asking us to succeed. He's just asking us to obey. He's just asking us if we're going because our job is to consecrate ourselves. And if we will do that day in and day out, then God is going to show up and show off. 
That's what he says. Consecrate yourselves for tomorrow. You're going to see amazing things. If we, if we could just do that day in, day out, if we could just do the things that we know that we need to do, build relationship with him, spend time in his word, pray, set ourselves apart, ask him, God, use me this day in whatever sphere of capacity that I'm in, whatever job I'm in, whatever situation I'm in, whatever school I'm in, whatever situation, even in the shopping mall or in the supermarket, God, if we would just consecrate ourselves, the Bible says that God will turn up and he'll show up and he'll show off. Consecrate yourself today and the Bible promises that amazing is on the way. That's what he says to Joshua. If you want to see amazing things in your world, it's not about you achieving it, it's about us consecrating ourselves. And if we would do that, he promises, I will show up and I will show off and you will be blown away by what he has to do. Because the hardest thing, I think, in this world, I believe, I know this for myself, and I believe it'll be for some of you as well, but the hardest thing that I find in my walk with God is to trust Him with the outcome. Anybody feel me this morning? Like, how I think things should go, and how He thinks things should go, is so different. So what I think should have happened on Thursday with Trinity is that an angel should have come along as the truck was about to hit him and pick her up, let the truck go past and put her back down again. That's my way. But his way is, oh, this is going to happen, and you can turn around and say, God, why did you let this happen? But I know that what it's done in her life, because I've spoken to her, is something has happened on the inside of her that says, actually, there is something great that God has got yet for me to do. And something has stirred on the inside of her that I've never seen before in her life. And you can turn around and say, oh man, what a tragedy, the accident happened. But no, 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 God uses all things to work together for good for those who love Him and accord according to His purpose. You see, if you consecrate yourself, God will show up and He'll show off. Hardest thing in the world to do is to trust God with the outcome. But here's the thing. In the kingdom, our reward directly correlates with the motives of our hearts, not our accomplishments. It's all through Scripture. Man looks at the outside, but God looks at the heart. The Pharisees turned around and said, what are your disciples doing eating unclean food? And what did Jesus say? It's not what goes into a man that defiles him, but what comes out of him that defiles him, because out of his heart comes murder. And it's your heart. It's the motives of your heart, not your accomplishments where your reward belongs. Because it's about consecration, not success. If you do the right thing for the wrong reason, it doesn't help, it doesn't count. You can do all the right thing for the wrong reason, but it doesn't count. It just, you, you know that. You see your kids sometimes. The only reason why they're going above and beyond helping out around the house is because they want something. Yes? That doesn't count in our house. If you're doing it because you just want some extra money, it doesn't count. Oh, if I do extra jobs around the house, can my pocket money increase? No, because you should just do it anyway. Oh, come on, parents, I've probably got a bit better response than that. 
You know, everything in the kingdom is about doing the right things for the right reasons, regardless of outcome. Right things for the right reasons. You see, the will of God is not wealth, health, and prosperity. And it's not that God has a problem with any of that. God wants us to prosper. God wants us to be in health. God wants us to do well in life. But if you measure your life on those things, you're measuring it wrong because that's not winning. The will of God is the glory of God. It's about Him receiving the glory. See, Ben and I went down into a snowy pit. Oh, snowy pit. Pit on a snowy day. I'm going to get that right before the end of this. And conquered a lion. Killed it and came out. Why? So that God would get the glory. Not Ben and I, but so God would get the glory. When you conquer the lions that are in your pits, God gets the glory. Listen to this in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 32 to 34, and it says, And what more shall I say? I do not have time to tell you about Gideon or Barak, Samson or Jephthah, about David and Samuel and the prophets, who through faith conquered kingdoms, administered justice and gained what was promised, who shut the mouths of lions, quenched the fiery fury of the flames and escaped the edge of the sword, whose weaknesses were turned to strength and who became powerful and battle and routed foreign armies. It sounds really awesome so far, yeah? Chapter of faith. It's like, I can do that. And then it goes on in verse 35. And then there were others who were tortured, refused to be released so that they were, might gain an even better resurrection. Some forced jeers and flogging and even chains and imprisonment. And they were put to death by stoning they were sawed in two and they were killed by the sword. Here's my question. Were the second lot not in the will of God to the first lot? Were the first lot heroes and the second lot failures? Because they're both listed in the chapter of faith, the heroes of faith but you'll never know their name. They never saw anything come to pass. They never saw their dreams happen. Why? Because success in the kingdom is not about winning or losing. It's about obeying. It's about obeying. God's will is not an insurance plan for your life. The will of God is actually a dangerous plan. The will of God could get you killed on the mission field, but here's the thing, if God gets the glory, goal accomplished. Come on. If God gets the glory, the goal's accomplished. If God gets the glory, that's success. And the internal reward we receive will infinitely outweigh the temporal sacrifice that you had to make. You know, I mentioned J.W. Tucker a little bit earlier in my message and he was killed on the Congo and his body was thrown into a river called the, let me get the river name right, the Bomakandi River. He got thrown into there after they killed him and two days later after his death, Belgian paratroopers came into the region and saved his family and, start, and took them back to the United States and uh, you know, he didn't make it, but his family did. And his wife, Angelina, in the midst of her grief and of her pain, 
wrote this prayer that she had to God on the plane on the way back to the U.S. And I want to read it to you this morning. It's going to come up on the screen. And she wrote this. She said, Oh, Father, we do not thank you thee for thy goodness and love and many blessings. Oh, we do thank thee for thy... <laughs> Thank thee for thy goodness and love and many blessings. We love thee and praise thee for thy care. This was written in the in really early, so it's a bit King James Englishy. And through these many difficult days, thou hast washed over us and kept us. And now thou hast truly delivered us out of the lion's den. We praise thee and thank thee for it. And we ask that you would take Jay's life, that was her husband, which has been laid down, and use it in death for thine honor and glory. She wrote that letter in the midst of her pain and her suffering, and 30 years went by and nothing seemed to come of that prayer. Nothing changed in the Congo, nothing happened. It seemed like her husband's sacrifice was all for nothing. But God answered her prayer in a unique way because the tribe that lives near the Bomakandi River was having some trouble. It's in the middle of an unreached people group at the time and they were having some civil unrest in the area and so the king of the tribe asked the government that they would come and give him some support because of the civil unrest and so the government decided to send a man who they called the, uh, the brigadier is basically what they called him. I don't know what his name was. They just called him the brigadier. The brigadier was a policeman that J.W. Tucker had led to Christ two months before his death. He had led him to Christ and he was sent to the very area where J.W. Tucker had been killed and he knew that he was going there, and so he tried to share the gospel with the Magbitu tribe without any success whatsoever. He had tried and tried for months to try and lead one person to Christ because he was so deeply moved that the man that had led him to Christ had been killed by this tribe, and he, he wanted to see something come of it. But without any success, until he found out one day that one of the one of the village's ancient tribal traditions was that if somebody's blood had been spilt in their river, the Bomokandi River, then you would have to listen to their message. And so the brigadier gathered the whole entire village and the elders together, and he told them about this man, J.W. Tucker, whose blood flowed in their river. And this is what he said to them. It's going to come up on the screen for you. He said, some time ago, a man was killed and his body was thrown into the Bomakandi River. The crocodiles of this river ate him. His blood flowed in your river. But before he died, he left me a message. This message concerns God's Son and the Lord Jesus Christ, who came to this world to save people who were sinners. He died for the sins of the world and he died for my sins. And I received this message and it changed my life. Several members of the tribe and elders fell on their knees immediately as they shared this message and surrendered their lives to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. And since that day, thousands of Mangbitu tribe have come to faith in Christ, and they've been planted over 30 churches in the region, 
because of the man whose blood flowed in the river. I'm here to tell you this morning that what you are going through or what you have gone through that you think is a failure, just like people thought that J.W. Tucker was a failure, you need to understand something, that God leaves nothing for naught. God does not let anything go to waste. Nothing you have gone through, nothing you are going through, and nothing that you are going to go through is for naught. It never is. Every prayer is always answered. Every sacrifice is always honored. Every good deed will always go rewarded and every seed of faith will always bear fruit. But the question for you this morning is, will you go in if you don't know you're going to come out? The question for us is when it comes to our lives, are we prepared to go in? Are we prepared to go into those pits that we have, those dens that we have? where our anxieties and our fears and our different things are roaring at us, are we prepared if God says, I want you to go in there, will you go in? Regardless of outcome, will you consider that your life's success is based on obedience, not accomplishments? Because if we don't live our lives based on obedience, our accomplishments mean nothing. It's really about Him. We're called to go in, friend. We're called to deal with our stuff. We are called to do the things that frighten us. And can I say this this morning? If your dream that God has given you doesn't frighten you, then you're thinking too small. Because everything God does scares the bejesus out of me. I say this and I say it a thousand times every time I meet with our leaders and I say this is what I believe that God wants us to do. I'm 49% certain that that's going to happen. Because if it was about me being 100% certain, there's no faith requirement. 51% leaves it in God's ball court. But see, the thing is, once again, whether we do the thing that God has called us to do or not, too often in my life has been based on what I think the outcome's gonna be. But I understand something about God that I haven't understood in a long, long time until just recently. It's not about the outcome. It's about whether I'm going to obey. It's whether I'm going to go in. It's about going in. It's not about coming out. The coming out is his job. The going in is my job. See, Ben and I understood that his role was to go into the pit. He understood that it was God's role to get him out of the pit. That's why it says that I was in the miry clay, but you reached down and you pulled me out. I'm wondering this morning if there's some people in this place that are just like, you know what, I, I, I want to go in this morning. I, I'm scared. I'm frightened. I'm, I, I don't know what the outcome's going to be. I, I really have no idea whether I'm going to come out of this or not. Why don't you all stand to your feet this morning? I don't know whether I'm going to come out of this or not, but I know this. I know that God has called me to go in. And that if I obey Him by going in, then it's His responsibility for the outcome. And here's the crazy thing about God. The outcome always works perfectly. Why? 
because it's about him getting the glory. And he doesn't get any glory by you being murdered in the pit. Come on. Nobody goes around talking about how God never came through for them. That just doesn't happen. You may feel like he hasn't come through for you, but friend, I want to ask you this morning, is it because you're standing on the outside of the pit looking in going, there's a lion there and he's done nothing about it. And God's saying, if you will go in, I'll get you out. If you'll go in, I'll get you out, but I'm not going in for you. You've got to go in for yourself. If you go in, I'll get you out because it's obeying. Success is obedience. And the glory is His for the outcome. It's His for the outcome. Why don't you just close your eyes just for a moment. I want to ask you this morning, is there anybody in this place? It's like, man, I, I heard what you said this morning and I got some pits, I got some lion's dens. And, and I want the courage to go in. And I want the courage to trust God with the outcome. Well, these guys are going to start to sing very shortly. And as they sing, if it's not you, if you, if you want to respond to that, if you're like, man, I, I, I need to, let's treat the front of the church here this morning. Let's treat it as when we come out, we're saying, you know what, I'm going in. It's not a pit up here. It's not a lion's den up here. It's just love and grace here. But let's treat it this morning that as I physically walk out of my seat and I walk to the front, what I'm saying to God and what I'm saying to the principalities of this world and what I'm saying to the lions in my den is that I'm coming in and God's going to get me out. I'm coming in this morning. I'm going in this morning. Come on, as they sing this morning, why don't you come? Come on. If that's you this morning, why don't you come? If you're like, man, I'm going in. I'm going in this morning. If it's not you, then why don't you close your eyes and lift your hands this morning? Come on. Let's just come right up front. Come right up close. Come on, church. If you're not coming up, let's come on, let's worship. Come on. And if you're up here, you can do that too. Come on. Jesus, Jesus, you make the darkness tremble. Jesus, you silence fear. Jesus, Jesus, you make Come on, all your voice this morning. Come on. Your name. Come on, your name, come on.
Come on, church, this morning. Jesus, Jesus, come on. If you're at the front here this morning, I want you to lift your hands right up high. Come on. Every single person at the front here this morning, just hands right up high. Close your eyes. Just focus on Jesus right now. Father, I pray for every single person that has responded here this morning. God, that you would step in to their coming out. God, that they would have the courage that you would put on the inside of them saying, you know what? I'm going to go in this morning. I'm going to go into their circumstances and situations Lizzie, I really believe that God's saying right now that if you will go in, He'll bring you out. And He'll bring you out so much more than you'd ever believed in your life. You've, you've had a thought about some of the outcomes, what it could look like if God moved. But I believe that God is saying to you today that what I will do is way out, way beyond what you think I can do. I'm going to bring you out of your situation as you go in, in a way that you never dreamed it could be. There's a there's a call, there's a gift on your life that God is going to bring out because it's been, it's almost like there's been this thing that has caused it to stay in the pit, in the den. And that every time you've gone in there, it's like a lion has roared it. You don't have rights to this. But I want you to understand that as you go in, the Bible says this, that He goes with us. And when He goes with us, His presence breaks everything. Bible says that his presence breaks the yoke. And I just see this thing just being smashed open and the purity of what it is that God has for your life is going to come so far to the surface and so far beyond your wildest dreams that it's going to blow your mind. Nick Sterling, it's a word that God gave me probably two months ago for you, and that is this, don't quit, don't give up, don't it's like you've been in a pit and you want to get out of the pit. So you've been working really, really hard to get yourself out. And God is saying, no, no, I get you out. You just stay in there because in the pit, he's teaching you things. In the pit, he's teaching you how to fight the lion. He's teaching you how a lion thinks. He's teaching you how the principalities and powers operate. And if you would just bide your time in his training ground, he will bring you out of that onto a mountaintop where you'll be able to see everything that God has for you. But don't rush the process. Trust him in the middle of the pit. In Psalm, 120, uh, Psalm 23, it says, Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I fear no evil, for thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. In other words, it looks like death, but it's not death. It's a shadow of death. And it says, thy staff and thy rod, they comfort me. Rod speaks of God's discipline, and staff speaks of his authority. And so you just got to understand that in, the, in that pit, it's not that he's coming and hitting you. It's just that he's teaching you some disciplines that will hold you when you come out. And then after the psalmist comes out of that, it says, goodness and mercy follows me all the days of my life. And that will be what you experience. But don't rush it. Don't rush it. 
And every other person at the front here this morning, I want to tell you this morning, 